Welcome to Perspectives on Camino Radio, a show completely dedicated to sharing the pilgrim experiences on the Camino de Santiago. We know that we are all on a journey together to grow, to learn, and to discover. And what better way than to hear from the pilgrims who are walking or have walked their Camino already? So join us each week as we spend some time with Camigos from all around the world and chat about those things that make the journey so special. Today we're joined by Terry Sellers, a wonderful person that is getting ready to start her third Camino in just another month. The twist is, is that she's actually a yoga instructor going to be leading a yoga tour with some friends from starting from San John, is that right? Well, actually, we're going to do Pilgrim Light. We're going to start in Madrid and then take a bus okay. to Saria. Oh, okay. And then, so we'll actually do the last 115 kilometers. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. But throw in some yoga in there, right. and it's going to be quite yoga a... Yoga in the morning, yoga in the evening. That's so. incredible. So awesome. Well, we are actually... We get to have the the pleasure of having her in the studio today. It's so exciting. Most of what we've done so far has had to be call-in, but we've actually lucked up that she actually teaches at a yoga center here in Birmingham, Alabama. We're so, so I don't know, that's so strange, but we have we have had a harder time getting together <laughs> than the people that I've been calling all around the world. So true. We, I mean, months we've been trying to put this together. So I'm so excited that we finally got these microphones and we get to spit into yeah. them for an hour or so. That's so good. So um, let's start with just your Camino experience. Uh, let's just start there. So uh, you've, you've done... You've done it twice. twice. Did you do the full or did you do the light also those times? You or? know, you would think by now I'd be doing full, but every time I go, I'm doing a different place um, starting except for this one. I did the, the uh, both of them have been shorter versions. One was the Portuguese. The second one was from Porto. And so we, that's nothing to shy about. It's <laughs> not well, really a shorter one. Well, Goodness. It, we did cut off a little bit there to, to start. So it was, I wanted to see that side of it. Um, and it was one of the, I guess there's so many different paths, but this is this one this year. I was the first one I walked and it starts in Saria. It's considered the last 100, but you're going 150. Sure, sure. And, um, I know you, and that, that, I, that was one of the things that I think is absolutely crazy. I'm sorry to break in right here, but that's okay. you, you brought this up. I feel like every day that, you know, they say, oh, today's going to be an 18K day. And I look at my watch, my pedometer at the end of the day, and I've walked like 25. I know, I like, know. You're like, Camino, <laughs> you liar. I don't think so. Exactly. They tell you don't trust the market. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it really market. is like 125K. It is. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm sorry. Please continue. What were you saying? Oh, what was I saying? Let's see. Um, but put it together. I've done the whole thing. And my goal is the next time we do this, we will start in St. Jean, uh, be my husband and I. Um, this time, I just happened to open it up to some friends. I said, put it out there. If people sign up, you're going. And they did. And now we have 12 people going. That's amazing. So uh, it's friends and people I don't know as well, people who are friends of friends. So we'll become friends before the end. So uh, I think this has been in the planning since September. And, uh, of, of last year. Of October, yep. Wow. September, October, and so... I couldn't wait that long. Well, we've we've had changes. We've had <laughs> half the people that signed up or, you know, it's, it's switched out. But, uh, yeah, and you would think I would be preparing for it, but I keep waiting. <laughs> well, you're kind of in disbelief. You're waiting for the next person to drop out and then... The, no, I mean preparing the, physically. Oh. <laughs> what I do is I make this that experience, and I did it the first year, of just kind of dropping in because my, my thing is life doesn't knock on your door and tell you, hey, we're coming at your heart. You yeah. Know, you just got to step into it. So my first Camino experience was that. I just stepped into it without any preparation, without any no investigation, training. no training, just boom. And um, it was hard for that reason. And then the second year, you know, it was a little little easier. Now I've got a little more physical, and there's reasons for that, but physicality is better. But I haven't been hardcore training, you know, like I've been walking. And, sure. Um, and that's really the thing. To me, like when I got to the seventh or eighth day, I thought, hey, I could walk forever. But the first week, yes, you're like, I am the tin man and I can't move. So I remember the first day I was able to st- put my leg up on a, my foot up on a step and step up. I was like, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. So, uh, yeah, it takes a lot. So I don't care if you do 100, 500, you're going to suffer on the Camino. Absolutely. No, it really does. It takes you a good week to kind of yeah. figure out. I know this sounds weird, but it kind of takes you a week to figure out how to walk. Yeah. 
And we've added on just for my husband and I, we're going to walk to Finisterra at the end of oh, Santiago wow. and then up through Musia. Musia, okay. I think is how it's pronounced. It looks like Musia. But then, and then we'll have to take a taxi back because I didn't plan enough days. I thought it would be a lot quicker, but it isn't. Uh, so we'll go back to Santiago from there. That was actually, that was my favorite. I, yeah, I loved walking from from Santiago to, and I did the, I did the opposite. I walked to Mushia first and then Mishia. down to, to Finisterra. Um, I, if I make a recommendation, I would love for you to be able to stay at a little town called Lides. I have halfway. a room there. Yes. Okay. You've already got yes, it. Yes, I've already booked that was, up. That's been my favorite place on the whole Camino. I've I read loved that. it. It was so, and not a lot of people stop there. Right. It's, it's very, um, well, first of all, not a lot of people walk all the way to the coast. Mm-hmm. Second, not a lot of people do both Mushia and Finisterre. Right. And third, if they do, they try to combine the walk from Finisterre to Mushia in one day. Right. So you keep breaking and you up can these groups of people. Yeah, you sure you sure can. But I'm glad that I didn't because I would have missed such a gem by yes. staying there. And I don't want to. I don't want to overplay. I don't want to build it up too much. I mean, there wasn't anything so spectacular about it. It was just. It was. I guess it was the simplicity. Right. Of of where it was, and it was just. I, I don't know. It, it it was it was a jewel in the middle of Nowhere. the desert. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was great. I like that when you just happen upon. You're like, whoa, this is nice, and who knows about it? Not the whole world, anyway. I'm staying here because I want to, not because I'm too tired to right, keep going. Right. Well, there's a problem. We I don't know what there is to do there. We'll be there before the day, noon, or whatever. But we'll we'll just see. We'll, Immerse ourselves in the culture. I actually, when I did it, when I was walking down from Mushia, it should have only taken me half a day. Right. Um, but when I left, I left, uh, I didn't leave early. I left maybe at nine o'clock in the morning, but I decided to make my own route. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of stayed along the coast mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit. I didn't st- walk the beach, of course. I mean, there's not really a beach that you can walk right. that far, but I, I kind of just followed my GPS and made my own route. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to stay close to the coast and watch right. the beach and that kind of thing. And it actually ended up taking me a long time. To do that? A really long time. Okay. But the cool part about it was that at the end of the day, as I'm arriving, arriving to Lides, I end up um, I end up approaching – the town is up the river about a kilometer, mm-hmm. um, the, the river that dumps into the ocean. So, okay. Um, and up next to the town, there's a little bridge. Well, I ended up on the other side of the river that drained into the ocean – and there was no bridge for a kilometer away. <laughs> and I see the cafe bar just right. to the other side. Just enough to tempt you. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I wear shorts when I walk. And yeah. I had taken my socks and shoes off. And I was walking the, the beach, um, carrying my nice. pack and socks and shoes. And um, so to get to this at the end, to finish my day, I literally crossed the river, you mm. know, up to up to my thighs. Yeah. And it was such a cool little experience yeah. of pilgrimage, of arriving to a place and having to cross a river with no bridge, I don't know. I, I just thought it was a major unique, way it uh, happened. That's you know, it. So, yeah, good talk. Um, what did you think about the Portuguese route? The Portuguese route was different. Uh, I love Portuguese. I love where we stayed. I, I loved Portugal. I loved the food. Actually, I don't speak Spanish. That was another thing I did. I said I could take some Spanish immersion classes. But again, a part of what I like to do when I'm travel is just to be like, a stranger in a strange land and you're totally blown out of your your normal day you know and so you're you're kind of you're not at the mercy of strangers you're at the mercy of your ability to adapt to your situation oh i like that so it's all about you and your resilience and and uh creativity and 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 being friendly and then sometimes cautious you know you got it because you're in a strange land sure so um portugal i found out their television shows are all in english if it's an english show <laughs> When you go to Spain, they dub. They you know, translate. Spain, they yeah. translate it. So it was so easy to get around. They're so proud of their country and their wine and their port, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, and the food was great. But uh, I tell you, when we crossed over into Spain, I love Portugal, I love Portugal. But it's kind of like Spain was like, oh, I don't know, something just lifted. Uh, I know t- exactly what you mean. greener somehow. Yeah. And uh, less, less 2019. I think was what it felt like. It, to me, this part, the Galician area of Spain is like stepping back in time. Sure. And because you see the ladies with the long dresses with the cysts out there in the wheat fields and grass and stuff mm. cutting. And um, I see I grew up in the country. So it's kind of cool to be walking through these farmlands and stuff. And you feel like time has stood still, but it hasn't, you know, and it's, uh, it's you're in a little time warp there. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. I, I felt that. No, it, it's strange that you say that. 
you were talking about how much you loved Portugal, and the first thing that was in my mind was, we also walked the Portuguese route, mm-hmm. but I, I haven't. I only walked it from the Portuguese border. Mm-hmm. I started yeah. there and I walked from Tui up to Santiago, yeah, and then after I finished. Um, we went and drove back through Portugal. Mm-hmm. So I drove through Porto and Lisbon, and we came. Mm-hmm. We, we we just we, we did kind of a a couple day Portuguese tour before we came back to the south of Spain. Mm-hmm. And I loved Portugal. It was it was lovely. It was very nice. But I couldn't wait to get back on the Spanish side. <laughs> like I don't know what it was, but like as soon as we crossed over, I was I just <sighs> just breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> I was like I I, I don't know I, maybe. I always attributed it to, so I do speak Spanish, uh-huh. and I was able to communicate. I'm able to communicate very well in Spain, mm-hmm. even they talk so fast. They do. That, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still able, I'm, I'm able to, to communicate just fine, never have any issues, never have any problems. But it's in Portugal, there was that that thing that, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't in my comfort zone yeah. anymore. Yeah. And I've always attributed my discomfort and my my comfort again going back into Spain is a language thing ah. but maybe it wasn't because if you're feeling the same thing and I don't speak the and language. you don't speak the language <laughs> yeah. then maybe it is something a little bit uh it just cultural felt or friendly laid back mm-hmm. and uh I don't know I don't know what it was but there time is different there I know that and both both my husband and I stopped and said this feels different. What's what just happened? We just simply crossed over because I was expecting Portugal. I'd read all the reviews to be this lush and you're gonna love it and all that. And then I was like, I loved it, but this is home. This feels like home. Yes, it, so. it has my heart too. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Let's switch gears for a second. Talk okay. about um, yoga, your yoga experience. Um, okay. We'll we'll talk. We'll, we'll move in a little later to yoga on Camino, mm-hmm. but I'd, I'd like to know just kind of how you got into yoga and. Okay. Um, and then how you moved into teaching. Did you teach something else before you started teaching <laughs> yoga? Uh, yeah, I was a high school teacher. Okay. I, I taught marketing and co-op and advertising, all that fun so stuff. So you had a lot of stress to unwind. <laughs> yeah, for- yeah. Well, actually, it was one of those cool jobs that's an elective, and the kids would have to apply for my class. Oh. And so they wanted to get out of school early to gain credit. So it was. I had a really good group. We got to do things, a lot of things outside of the classroom. I took kids all over the country because I was wow. in a little school and I was kind of like most of these just go to Florida for vacation so we had a youth organization so we could take the kids to oh just California New York stuff for competitions amazing so I love to get because these were seniors and juniors in high school and you could get them listen to them long enough to kind of get their passion as well as they have talent sometimes they don't even know they have they're just there you see their eyes light up when they hit a certain subject or a certain thing and so if you can turn them in that direction uh they suddenly these kids that were like the C students or nobody noticed because they weren't the star athlete, nor were they the cheerleader or, or the goth. They were just kind of that kid in the middle. Suddenly they start shining, you know, and you get to see them. Like I just saw one this morning. I stopped at a place to get some acai and one of my little girls from 1997 was in there. She's moving to Fairhope. She's an attorney, husband's in city planning, all that. So, you know, you still have those connections, but I remember, she was kind of a, a little shy, it seemed like at the time, just blooming. And you got to be on center stage with that. You got to be right there up front while they're on center stage. And so I, you know, I think that's what I loved about yoga. I didn't start as a teacher. I started as a helping teachers that, with their business parts because I had taught marketing. So a lot of your yoga teachers in town at the time didn't really have a lot of marketing savvy. <laughs> they just wanted to teach their passion. Yeah, And so I would help them with ideas uh, for trainings and workshops. That's still my forte. I can't meet a yoga teacher without going, you should do this. Um, (laughs) So come up with this plan. I launched the first yoga teacher training in Birmingham. It was a 200-hour back in 2007, I think it was. Um, Dreamed up and had a lot of help with Sweet Home Alabama, the first... um, Nonprofit that the goal was to bring yoga into places that where people couldn't ne- normally afford it, perhaps um, underserved, we would say. <clears throat> and so I came in from that angle, and then I would assist teachers, and they would need a sub, so I would get <laughs> sent out to sub. I was like, but I just want to be a student. I love studying this, and um, so that's how that went for a while. And I would teach for a while, come out for a while, teach for a while, come out for a while. We started Birmingham Yoga. Yoga without, uh, it was a studio without walls, bringing in workshops and things of that nature. And then Akasha was ready for walls, sold it to him, I think for a dollar. Wow. <laughs> I'm such a savvy businesswoman. Uh, so anyway, so he started it with walls and has a pretty good thing going on over there. 
Um, and then um, I was getting more into teaching about that time, that lifetime opened down the street from me. I remember when I got out the fitness of... fitness center. Yeah, I got out of... Um, of Birmingham Yoga, and I was there for about a year going, oh, I kind of missed that. I really wish something would open up like five minutes from my house, not be just pure yoga, because that's hard to sustain, you know, that that kind of business model. To me, it kind of takes the yoga and turns it into business if you're trying to sustain a studio. And a friend of mine just said, because I was another teacher and I were talking about buying the studio, and, he's, and she said, wait, there's a lifetime coming and you will not believe their yoga program. It's the most yoga, yoga program I've ever seen in a fitness center. And uh, so she connected me with them. I was hired over the phone to, to start their yoga program. Wow. So got to hire the teachers. They gave a lot of training that Johnny Kest, our teacher that kind of lines everything up with our, our teacher yeah. teaching. So yoga teacher training programs. I've been a part of that as a faculty since 2007, <laughs> still doing it and um, teaching now. I taught, Flow, Ashtanga, I've taught what we call root, I've taught the slower, now I'm in the really slow, the still, the surrender, which is a yin class, and that's become my jam, that's, that's been the game changer for me. That's so cool. What an interesting progression, and I, one thing that really stood out for me, what you, what you were talking about there, was um, the, the kids, you, when they were average students, the, the way that you would kind of focus them. Mm-hmm towards um, something bigger than themselves, like a reason, yeah. a purpose. Right. And it's amazing what begins to flourish when you seem to define that and, and the journey that you've been on mm-hmm. when you kind of found mm-hmm. what, what, like your, your what. Your what, your, your why. That's a, a line I keep saying, the universe is so funny because when I was teaching high school, I wanted the kids to read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And then I even had that for my son. I gave that to him uh, when he was going through some stuff. And so when I joined Lifetime, guess what was required reading for our yoga teacher trainees? Man's Search for Meaning. <laughs> Man's Search. That's funny. Wow. And I was like, because, you know, the whole gist of, well, he's got a lot of theories in there, but it's that if you can find the reason why, you can survive and go through anything. You just have to come up with a why. You have to have a, and, and that is up to you to come up with because it can be anything. You know, it can be, um, you can go the existential route and I have no reason. Yeah. And then you can go, I'm going to give this a reason and this is how I'm going to survive this. And that's, that's what, uh, the universe keeps hitting me over the head with. <laughs> one of my, one of our local leaders, uh, has, he's got a, a great kind of quote that says, um, the two greatest days in your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. Yeah. And mm. I also add to that is sometimes you won't know in this lifetime why you were born. You know, sometimes you just have to leave things to the mystery, you know, um, otherwise you drive yourself crazy trying to figure out the whys and, and such. Sometimes I don't think it's necessarily our place to know the answers. Sure. So Just to keep pushing through. Yeah. Just keep trusting that there's something and find your whys as you go along. Like a little why could be I'm here as a teacher because I'm going to help this kid connect with you know, their life's passion or their life's work or find their, their, their particular skills. I want to help this teacher to be able to sustain themselves, this yoga teacher with yoga, you know, instead of having to do all these other jobs to support their teaching, can the teaching help support them? So that's kind of what I've, um, I love to do. One of the things that I think is so cool about the tie between yoga and Camino Mm -hmm. is that walking Camino makes you slow down everything. Mm-hmm. Like you, you slow down your your thoughts, you slow down your actions, you slow down the way you even experience travel. Mm-hmm. And it makes you observe the smaller things in much more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you notice how the roots are coming across the road because you're having to walk across mm-hmm. them. <laughs> and you, you know, you, you're noticing how cold it is because you're getting rained on. Mm-hmm. And... That there's a movement now called mindfulness, right. and um, and I I love that yoga tries to bring that into everyday life mm-hmm. back home, away from Camino, and I I think uh, I don't know how how can you see that the two you you put one superpower with another with superpower, superpower. <laughs> and you have the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, whoa whoa <laughs> what are you getting so uh, what do you see as um, kind of 
where that, you know, how those two tied together? I think they're both experiences that you have. It's like you, you stop the clock on your life and you go and you do this thing. You do this walk or you get on the mat and you do this practice. But what you're doing is really going to help you later in life in, in different ways. The skills, the mindset that you're developing is really something that's going to show up as, um, as being something big in your life, in the future that you don't know about. For example, when you said breath, the home and mindfulness, yoga is about mindfulness. And so when I'm walking the Camino that first time, we were there and it was supposed to be in the seventies and eighties and they had an unprecedented heat wave back in 2017. It's funny why it keeps happening it every does. year. They keep saying unprecedented. unprecedented. Every year it's unprecedented. But it was Crazy. 98 degrees one day when we were walking up this hill. And I remember looking around going, there's trees on both sides of this trail and there's not a shade in sight. And that was the day I thought I'm going to pass out. But the, I just started, I had walking sticks and I'd go just in my mind, I started the counting. I started the breath. I connect to the breath with a movement. The breath would lift the foot. The exhale would drop the foot. So it became very much a mindfulness practice. And, you know, it took my mind away from the body, the suffering of the body to inside this universe inside, so to speak, and kind of got me through a lot of kilometers before I knew it, you know. So, um, and that's what yoga is about is really getting people to focus on the breath, notice how the breath is affecting their emotional state and how their emotional state's affecting the breath. We call the breath the binding agent between the body and the, and the soul, the spirit and the mind. So if you see yourself going like shallow breathing through the chest, you're just, you're tapping into your sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, or uh, fight, I can't even say fight, flee, or freeze. And um, if you can slow your breath down, you get that vagal response, you get that heart rate slowed down, and suddenly you're tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what's going to help you get through hard stuff. Camino, same thing. You know, you can go in there and be in the tough thing and you learn. It's almost like mind over matter kind of thing. My mind is going to walk me through this more than my body is right now because my body would love to lay down on the side of, beside a tree and just chill out for the rest of the day. Uh, or somebody just come get me and carry me out. Well, that ain't got to happen. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to do it yourself. And uh, that's a lot of the yoga practice uh, are more yang classes, which are the more um, sweaty ones, we say. It's about you're doing this. You control the degree of how hard or light or easy or where you go with it. It's totally you. We're not telling you where to put your body. We're suggesting places for you to explore your body in. And, um, and then that kind of, if that mindset is something you can adopt, you can take it with you, whatever you're doing, if you're having dinner with your family, uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, <laughs> this can be problematic. The stressful <laughs> Yeah, the stressful stuff, job interviews, all those sorts of things. You, you, the breath, that's the key. So I see that happening on the Camino and that's, you know, when I'm teaching the yoga, what I plan is the morning is going to be kind of like a waking up practice. And then the evening will be a settling down where you're you're doing more the yin, where we're kind of moving out the lactic acid, but we're also uh, unraveling and, and getting those knots out of our system that we build up. Because there's a lot of inflammation. <laughs> That's Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. So in yoga, the idea is, and particularly in yin practice, is that our body is not just the physical, that there's energy lines. So we call those meridians or nadis, depending on acupuncture, acupressure, or yoga. I'm thinking it looks like what we're, we're finding is more the fascial network, you know, the, the, the bag that holds the body together that runs throughout our entire system, gives us our form, our shape. It's, it's, a, it's a physical thing that anatomy, they used to throw it over to the side as dead tissue when they oh, were doing wow. dissections. And now they're saying that this is actually, it's almost, it's a live material and that it responds, it contracts. And so there is some thought we're, we're still cutting edge. There's a lot of gaps here. It's being filled in by a lot of researchers is that this could be the way that one of the ways that the cells communicate with each other is through your fascial network. So wouldn't that be interesting if the ancients, what they call nadis and meridians, we come up in Western medicine as our, our methods and tools for investigation get better. We can see that actually there is a physical reason for this. It's not metaphysical. It's not esoteric. There's really something here. It's the energy of the body the electricity of the heart, you know, all those things. Um, so we're, we're working, whether it's yoga or walking or mindfulness, it's really getting into to those different places and finding the knots, the kinks and the hose, so to speak, and then turning on the faucet for the flow. 
So that can help with the whole entire system. That's so good. That's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> it's good stuff. We call it fascinating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wonder, I was wondering while you were chatting, you were talking about your, your mindfulness up the hill mm-hmm. and uh, you, you were kind of, it, it, it seems like it was, it does distract the body. Mm-hmm. It distracts the body so you can, so you, you refocus your mind so you can distract the body from the pain. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's kind of the same reason why it's so much easier to walk with people. While you've got yeah. your friends or, or your camigos that you meet along the way, mm-hmm. that it just it, everything seems to it, it hurts less right. when you're with Suffering when you're with your tribe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, we talk a lot about relationship on this show. Mm-hmm. And that's we, how it's so important to you know be around people and mm-hmm. share experiences. And um, I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. I, I, Maybe it's not distraction. Maybe neither one of them isn't distraction, but it's refocus. Mm -hmm. It's refocus on the things that are important. Refocus on the inside. Refocus Mm -hmm. on on, on the breathing or refocus Mm -hmm. on the emotion between two people, the relationship. Or the roots that run across the road. There you go. The days (laughs) are so long, you're going to find yourself using lots of different techniques. And that's why I said, oh, these are different techniques. Like, you know, you could see the, I would be walking down a road and I would go, okay, this is low. I see a big bank. And so you go, you read and you talk and you find out this is a sunken road and it was used as a Roman trade route. So over the centuries, the road, which may was level with that bank you're walking beside. Is now two meters lower. Is now lower. (laughs) And then you can start thinking about how time, you know, just your mind can go back in time. You can go to the future, how it's going to be present, and then you can bring it back to present. So you can actually see those, in yoga we call those the vrittis, the fluctuations of the mind. You can, it's a great place to watch that, to see that. So you can, like I always tell, when I'm walking with groups, sometimes I'll say, this is my time, I need my time for me. And so during that few hours, I disengage from people, and I may be engaged completely with my environment. How green is that green? Look at that eucalyptus tree. Can you smell it? Can you feel it? Can you, the wind? And then, um, and then I go to my thoughts and then my breath and then the sound of the sticks clicking on, you know. So there's so much. I'm like, I'm, you know, it's a long walk. There's lots in my tool bag. Thank you. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you'll develop it. <laughs> your, your, your mind, your, your body will just come up with that. And then some days you just go, I'm just walking, period. And you try not to let your mind stick on anything, you know, and so that's a practice too. We call that in mindfulness meditation, the bicep curl for the mind. That's funny. It's like when it goes away, comes, bring it back is the practice because you're not going to go neutral. That's how you get strong. That's how you get strong. That's how you get mentally strong. That's good. That's good. Uh, I wonder, are you planning on uh, any type of... Like a, you, you said that you were going to start the day with a warm up, and then you're mm-hmm. going to end the day with a cool down. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't say those words, but I wonder if if there will be is we plan to do like a meditation in the middle mm-hmm. of the field in the middle of the day, kind of like hey, let's stop, let's take a siesta moment, mm-hmm. let's take a you know that's yeah. have you are you planning to do that at all, or is that going to be kind of on your own? You know, find your own like you were saying this is this is your time, so yeah. you need to go find your own spot in the fern forest. Yeah, this it'll be organic because this is my first time to take a group, but that's my plan is that I give, I've got everybody like a little journal. And so I have thoughts for the day that I'm, I have for each day and for them to kind of think about, and they can use that as a prompt for their writing, or they can write, I'm encouraging them at the end of the day to kind of collect their thoughts about it. But I want that time to be theirs, you know, that, that I'm the guy, I'm just the guide on the side, you know, the teachers, I always think we all have our own teachers we have our own wisdom inside of us, you know, that we were born with. We just have to tap into it. So you make the situation conducive for that, and people will. And that sometimes takes a little quiet, um, a little, prom- you know, prompting as far as writing or thinking or whatever. So we could, but most of the evenings will be like a yin practice. But I have a little toolkit, like things that will be specifically working on the feet things that we can do for the feet, things we can do for the lower body, shoulders. There'll be a, sh- you know, so I kind of have that along with what we call yoga nidra, which is um, where you scan the, do body scans. And in that is where, see, I work a lot. I don't work a lot. I study a lot. And I've been in T-Town. I call it trauma town a long time myself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, come up with practices. That's a practice that's used to address trauma in the body. 
you know, the, the idea is that the body is, um, well, here's this book sitting right beside us. The body keeps the score. Bessel van der Kolk. He was one of the first ones to open up the door to how, you know, when you're dealing with people that are under trauma and trauma's not necessarily a thing that happens to a person. It's how your nervous system responds to the thing that happens. So it could be something that could happen to you and you'd be fine, water off your back. It could happen to me and my nervous system could react, overreact, you know, and so I'm in, I'm in this sympathetic lockdown mode. So he started working with Vietnam veterans and finding that if he could do body work with them, whether it's Tai Chi, yoga, something that's somatic experience for their bodies, that they were able to move faster through their healing and their processing than just talking about it. So he kind of opened the door. A lot of therapists now are bringing in, um, I'm not saying all, but a lot of them are using different sorts of physical movement to help their their patients or clients to process and get it out of the body instead of latching into, you know, I've got migraines. Why? I've got a back that perpetually or chronically hurts or I'm always doing this. So body talks. (laughs) Before we go any further, I wanted to just throw a plug out there for anybody that's interested that wants more information Mm -hmm. about your, your journey, your adventures, they can check you out on yoga adventures, BHM. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got a Facebook page there, website to follow soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But You'll be posting, you know, about your upcoming trip, and then you'll also be keeping people updated on right. future trips. And if anyone's interested in coming along for your next one, I'm sure you wouldn't mind taking some more you people, know, yeah. uh, some more some more folks. That would be great. That'd and be workshops, really good. like we've had a, a summer series. I think of it as summer camp for adults that are interested in yoga. So we've had a, a series of three. One of them was working with the emotional flow having your emotions flow through your body. I had a ther- my friend who's a therapist with me uh, for that one. I had acupuncturist. We talked about the meridians and acupuncture and uh, yin yoga. And then I've got a guy coming in. He studied with Wim Hof in Spain recently. So he's going to come in. Uh, Wim Hof is the ice man who holds all the world records for submerging himself. Oh, yeah. And he does his core temperature stays like the same, but he's in ice like a time that would kill us. Um, so he's going to come in and bring that breathing technique, which is actually based on an old Tibetan yoga from uh, that's amazing. Pranayamas. Wow. That's so, yeah. really interesting. So do, we do things like that too. So um, you talked about emotional flow, and that, that reminded me uh, one of the coolest things that I did. It was on our fourth Camino, and mm-hmm. um, we had built. I'd built relationship with some other people that were walking and we, you know, we kind of had our little tribe. Mm-hmm. We, we had our crew that, you know, we'd breakfast together and we'd walk together and we would walk together every second of the day, but right. we'd always finish together mm-hmm. and we'd stay in the same place and we'd eat dinner together. And so we had our, our crew, our tribe, but one of the, the, the most meaningful times of every day, we did a feelings check mm-hmm. and, um, you know, maybe an hour or two into the start of the day after we've had time to think and mm-hmm. get, you know, really physically worn out so our emotional barriers break down, then we can open up and share how we're doing honestly. And right. so we would cover the the five the, 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 the five feelings, how I'm doing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. Mm-hmm. And um, That's good. It's great practice. We'd cover those each day. And it was great. To, it, it, it was... You, you have to think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. Well, how am I actually doing emotionally? Like I've been so focused on my knees that you know <laughs> what, it, I'm actually really happy. I'm yeah. happy to be here. Like my body may hurt, but I'm happy to be here. Exactly. And you know, socially, I'm actually I'm I'm growing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coming out of my shell. I'm meeting people from all over the world. I am doing better. Or hey, maybe I don't feel like I'm growing in a way that I feel like I should be growing. And I mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I've been focused too much on the 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 food and the wine of Spain to grow spiritually. Right. You know, I've been so, you know, and it was, it was such a refreshing and grounding moment mm-hmm. of the day that it, I don't know if it makes any sense to just say that it was real. It was, it was, yeah. it was something that was, that was real. I got to, to touch and hold on to this is how I'm doing. And Oh yeah, by the way, the how are my friends doing? How are mm-hmm. they honestly doing? Because you don't open up very often to no. to to you know, strangers. Culturally too, we've mm-hmm. we've not really had a um previous generations in recent times anyway, that really have that language skill of emotions, you know, like how I'm feeling. You're told, you know, you're told how you should feel. <laughs> 
And you should feel grateful. (laughs) Especially as a man, you're not supposed to feel. Especially as a man. You know, when I was raised by a tough mama, I was like, well, if you're going to cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. (laughs) I'm crying enough. So anyway, so you um, being able to help people, however, whatever practice that comes along that they can identify how they're feeling, um, I think that helps them to grow in wisdom and knowledge for themselves. And I, I think that's what I'm seeing happening in the generation behind me is that they're becoming more verbal and words have power. And I think that's becoming more clear to the younger generation is just how powerful those words can be and how they can shift. And the, the words, not just the words we hear, but the words we choose to use. Yes. So, uh, and, and that helps to frame our whole experience because we're language-based creatures here. Mm. That's so good. I, I think, tell me what you think. I, I, I feel like the... Stigma and the fear of honesty mm-hmm. has has started to fall off. Yeah, and that that really helps people open up. Mm-hmm. And and I, I know exactly what you're talking about about the, the, the you, we're starting to see the power of words being realized. I mean, like people are starting to understand the power of what it is that they speak. Right. And um, it, what you say is really important about what I mean and how you use how you use your words. It, it can make or break somebody. Okay, absolutely. And uh, you don't even have to say it. Sometimes it's just typing it or texting it or posting it on a social something yeah, or other. Yeah, it's so nasty. Yeah. It's so so terrible. But um, but I, I agree with you. I think there we are starting to see a shift where people are using their words to build each other up and and motivate and encourage and and that, that's what we try to do on here. Is it? You know, yeah. What we hope. That's what we're hoping to do. That's what we're hoping to. Yeah. And the anonymous nature of our technology, though, I think, has also opened a Pandora's box. So people that would not normally feel would not normally feel um, open enough or confident enough to express their negativity. Also, they now have an anonymous forum for doing that. So we're actually kind of almost having to learn. It's almost like we're taught. Some people are toddlers emotionally on social media in particular and they're having to to learn this as well and uh, sometimes they learn as a result of being slammed themselves unfortunately um or somebody has to call them out and tell them this is this is what's happening and then you just hope that they care you know enough to change their ways because that's the thing i think young people have going against them that we didn't have is that um 24 7 you're hooked up to what your your tribe your your group of girlfriends or boyfriends think or say and and we do know that that is an age where they don't always say and do the right things that are well by right i mean that are in their best interest Let's switch back to your experience on Camino for a minute. Gotcha. Um, did you, do you, are you, as a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. uh, not trying to stigmatize or stereotype, mm-hmm. just wondering, are, are you, what is your diet like? Did you have a problem with maintaining that diet on? Because um, of all the meat and cheese and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I mean, are you vegan? Are you I'm vegetarian. Vegetarian. 90%. You know, okay. it's, I will, if I'm in a place, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. But I told them going in that I was vegetarian because I've, I don't, I haven't, I'll have to be honest, I'm pilgrim light here. I have uh, worked with this little boutique group of two ladies that, that kind of run your luggage up and they kind of help you set up everything. So um, they pick, they tell you, they take you to nice restaurants because they have the inside scoop because uh, she lives there, that they live there on where to go that's maybe off the path. Okay. And um, so we go to those places and typically I, as long as they know that I'm vegetarian, I get lots of rice and beans and vegetables. We did go to one steak place and the guy laughed and said, ah, oh, vegetarian, that's what we feed to our cows. That's <laughs> 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 so okay. I said, tonight then I'll try the steak if you think it's so good. Okay. So, you know, All right. we'll, I'll do that because I don't want it to be like a, a big red flag. She, sure. Uh, is hard. One of the ladies with this group um, is vegan, and she said it's really hard, but it's doable. You know, you just have to kind of be aware. Like, I'm not going to eat the octopus and, and stuff. Of really? That. I know. Isn't that sad? Everybody's like, this is so good. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I am, um, I don't really know what you would consider me. I, I don't, um, I, I won't eat the meat here in the States. Yeah. Um, the way it's I, treated. Yeah. I don't yeah. agree with the way it's raised or fed or exactly. treated or, or, or butchered. And, right. um, so, but I will. I'll eat anything that's that's caught wild. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you hunt a, a deer, I, right. I, don't, I have no problem with that. Or you know, fish or mm-hmm. shrimp. I, I, so, I guess that's I would a good say maybe like a a pescatarian. That, yeah. that would probably be the best way to describe me here. 
Um, but over there, I feel like their practices are much different, and yeah. I, I feel a little bit more open and receptive to right. to to that to that aspect. But how about going through Portugal and the fish? I mean, did, lots we're, of we're, fish. Yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you not bombarded with fish every yes. turn? <laughs> lots of fish, and I, I'm okay with that. I can I can eat some fish, but again, it might be a bite or two. And then I'm over there in the rice or whatever else is oh, with it. Oh, man. So and so my heart is broken. You won't touch the octopus. I know. You know, who knows? I might do it this time. Maybe if I have a beer before it. <laughs> All right. Twist your arm. <laughs> yeah, That's right. good. That's really right. good. Um, let's go back a little bit. Um, you and I, we actually, our first Caminos were within less than a month wow. of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I heard about you. I, w- I did train. I okay. trained for a couple months before I went. Smart um, guy. <laughs> maybe I didn't. Maybe it wasn't that long, but we um, we went to Lifetime Fitness, the mm-hmm. gym that you were teaching at, because they had this awesome pool for the kids, right? And the water slides and all that kind of thing. So we got a summer little membership, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, while I'm here, I'm going to go ahead and start training." And I started telling the trainers what it was I was getting ready for, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, well, we have a yoga instructor that is." there right now or oh, going wow. there. Yeah. And that was when we when we first reached out I and mean, we haven't talked for years yeah. since then. But it was it was very it was crazy that just I I had never heard of Camino before. Right. And now I hear hearing that someone that is literally with arm within <laughs> arm's reach normally <laughs> is over there doing that right now. And mm-hmm. and at the time I thought it was a thing where we were all supposed to do start at the same time and right, end at the same like right. kinda like a race, but you're not racing. Right. <laughs> like we all just start at the finish, start at the f- starting line, and then we say go and then we finish together. I, I didn't I didn't have a yeah. clue what was Survival going on. Survival of the fittest here. <laughs> um, but um you you had actually I, I don't know the entire story behind mm-hmm. you had a specific reason for wanting to go on Camino for your first time. Is that okay to talk about? Do you mind? Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, actually, I had read about the Camino. I started loving Paulo Coelho's books back in the early 2000s. The Alchemist was the first one I read. You find very few Americans that go because of Portuguese writing. They usually go because they saw the movie with Martin Sheen. Yeah, he. This was uh, wow. I want. And then his one. His I've read several of his books, but one of them was called The Pilgrimage, and it was his walk. And I. I at that point, I was unclear on exactly what he did, but I just was fascinated, and I thought, that's what I would love to do one day. So it was kind of a bucket list idea. And then I did see The Walk. Um, I don't even know when I saw that movie. The Way. The Way. I'm sorry, The Way. I don't even know when I saw that movie. But what prompted me to do The Camino was uh, in 2016, I lost my son, my only son. He had... Um, been struggling with addiction for over a decade, probably. He started, unfortunately, young, and he had been such a perfect child that, in my mind, it was a teenage thing. He was going to move past. You know, he was doing what the... uh, I taught high school. I studied the storm and stress of adolescence, so I thought we were just in a storm. And he was so smart and so sweet and so kind-hearted, he was going to pull out of it. But unfortunately, unknown to me, because I was ignorant of these things, I thought it was pot and alcohol, he found opioids because they were so easy to get a hold of. Kids were bringing them to school from their parents and grandparents' um, medicine cabinet. And I have to think back, did we have anything like that in our house? I know if we had dental work, we may have. Because they would give you Lortabs and stuff like that for oxycodone, for, for dental work. So there was wisdom teeth removed, but none of us had ever had major surgery or anything. So I, I hope I didn't, but I do know he got his hands on it. Once he did, his mind went way out there. I mean, he was not the same person. But he wanted to become, after he did his little adventure and it was fun for about three or four years, then he really wanted to get back. And so he went through rehab and recovery many, many times. So I got to watch, I didn't get to watch, but I did participate in um, the pain of the withdrawal that he would go through to try to keep it straight. We also used medic medicine, the Suboxone, I believe it's called, for several years, which messed up his body in other ways. And we had a really good year of sobriety. Finally found a place where he was thriving, working in the recovery community. They said he was so phenomenal that if he stayed sober for two years, he had a job, you know, that he could reach out and touch particularly young men that ordinarily would not open up because I just tell him, I said, Michael was such a, such a good, 
hider of himself. He had so many, so much armor on him and you, you know, he could pretend to be, he's almost like catch me if you can. If he could ever turn to good, he'd be phenomenal. <laughs> he could work for detectives or whatever because he could figure things out. That person's not telling the truth. So he had a relapse and unfortunately it was, um, a, they said a small amount of heroin and it was laced with fentanyl, which he didn't know according to the research I've done was a different dealer than he had been using, and the guy got him some. The guy used it, didn't die. Michael did. He had a clean system. So that was a hard year, and I remember just something came up in my head. It was like, you're suffering. So every part of you, every cell, um, I saw, I was on Facebook, an ad for the Camino came up, and I was like, wow, that's what I'm going to do. I'm walk across Spain. <laughs> But I didn't have the wherewithal to want to plan it at that time because my mind. So I said, oh, here's this little company. And I looked them up. And even when we flew over there, I told my husband, I said, I sure hope they exist. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I sent them some money. <laughs> so we'll see. You hope somebody's waiting for you at the airport. Yeah, really? Well, they're waiting on us. We had to get from the airport ourselves to, oh, wow. to the hotel in Madrid. And we did. And they did show up at 5 o'clock that evening, just like they said. And um, so... That one is the reason I didn't plan or anything. I wanted just to, I, I themed it around suffering. I said, I'm going to suffer just like my son did. My th- I was working with a grief therapist in the time. She kept saying, this is not healthy. <laughs> and I said, yes, but I, it's kind of like that. What is it? Self-flagellation where I'm just wanted to suffer. And so when I'd want to sit down, I might sit for a minute. Then I'm going to say, I've got to walk because my son went through this. Because when you're withdrawing from opioids, it's ugly. It's horrible. Uh, the legs don't move. Nothing moves. Nothing works. So, um, so I did that for him. I wrote a lot about that probably on my own page. I just started writing. It wasn't about what I was seeing. It was about what I was feeling. And because I said, I did grow up in the country and you're walking through so many pastoral areas, you know, you see the cows and the bells and all that kind of stuff. It was almost like being home. And my mother had passed away by then. My father had passed away. So I was kind of like, I felt like my, even though we have no Spanish whatsoever in our DNA, um, I did feel like I was home in a lot of ways. And um, I did enjoy the company of the ladies that I met that were running this this little boutique. So there were eight of us. It's a small group. It's never big. Um, so we just kind of bonded over that and thought that was going to be the thing. Um, but I kind of dedicated it to him. And then the second one, I decided to do Portugal because my husband wanted to do that. And I said, okay, I've got to have an intention here. I said, okay, this is about letting myself off the hook. So if I feel like there's a day that I can't walk, I'm not going to force myself. (laughs) So there was a day we were in this beautiful little village in Spain, little, little town right close to the border of Portugal and Spain. And it had the little square with the coffee shops and the bars and the windows had the window boxes and flowers and, and little, little town with small mom and pop shops. And I told my husband, I said, I love this as a paramour, I think, where we were staying, a government-run kind of hotel. I said, "Uh, I love this town. I'll never be here again. I can't think of a reason why I would come to this part of the world again. So I'm not going to walk today. They can walk. I'm going to take the day off. I'll walk two kilometers and back. And that's that's my day. And so I did that. And I stayed because I said, this is my intention. I'm taking myself off the hook. Because I spent that year after my, you know, two years, I guess, for my son's struggles, all the years of his struggles of what did I do wrong as a parent? Where did I fail him? Um, what could I have done differently? What could I have done differently? What if he could have done to her? What could my husband could have, what, Everything, replaying, replaying over that. And it was not getting me anywhere, you know, in as far as healing goes. And, you know, the first year or so, you don't really even care if you heal. Actually, you would like just to stop breathing <laughs> when you lose a child. And, um, and, there, and honestly, there was probably part of me that was like, well, maybe I'll be walking up this really hot hill the first year and I just might fall over dead of a heart attack. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm not suicidal, but I'm having a hard time finding a reason, a reason to, to live alive. with this kind mm-hmm. of pain, you know. But I had other family. I had grandchildren. I have a daughter. Wow, really? Yeah, I do. I have bunches. I had no idea. <laughs> boys, what? boys, boys. Oh my goodness. Um, so my son had a son and um, Jack, Jack. So we've co-parented Jack since he was born. He's eight now. So uh, he was with me when we found out about his dad. And so um, I always said, I credit my wanting to even recover to him 
because to Jack, to Jack, and then my daughter, because I thought, well, I I can't die and leave her, <laughs> you know, because this would be hardcore. You have no brother, you have no mother, you know, and then she had children, and so it's just kind of now you can't go anywhere, Grandma. Now I can't go anywhere because <laughs> everybody <laughs> needs me. <laughs> So um, anyway, so that was my Camino experiences, and it felt a lot of times like Michael was with me, you know, and I never talked about Michael's struggle with drugs because of the stigma, and I didn't want it to affect him. I thought always in my mind, I thought he would recover and have a good life because that's, I mean, he could have been an engineer or whatever he wanted to do. Um, So I never wanted to say that until he started doing that. And then when he died, it was kind of like, that's, that was his work. That was his intention was to work in that, helping others. Uh, at his service, boys stood up and talked about how he would get up in the middle of the night and come get him, you know, um, out of bad situations and get him back over onto the, into the recovery house or center or whatever. And so, yeah, that was part of what I try to do is bring him up, not all the time, not even very often, but when it feels like it's appropriate that it might reach somebody um, for different on different levels. One, drugs are not sexy. <laughs> you think they are when you start, but they're not. They get really ugly and messy. They mess up lives. It's like Keith, Michael and I used to talk about how it takes you, um, what was that saying? It, it, takes, it costs you more than you ever meant to pay, takes, keeps you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and there's something else that go with it. And he was like, that is so true. You know, you'd, when you're doing it, that first few times, you don't think it's going to happen to you. you know, I'm, so, I'm so darn smart. We found his records where he was keeping up with how much he was taking. No way. By the minute, by the hour, wow. by the day, so that he could monitor his money and his amount that he had of whatever. And uh, that was before the recovery thing. And he desperately did want to recover, but it's it was like a little thing that stayed in his mind. And probably had he gone two years sober, what I'm understanding with the brain is opioids do destroy parts of the, the neural pathways, but you can rewire them. There's this neuroplasticity. It takes like two, maybe three years to rewire your brain so that the frontal precortex and, you know, your reptilian part, your survival part can actually communicate well and logically. Wow. So he got himself into a situation of working a job, making a lot of money, feeling like he was a good salesman. Everybody was dependent on him. Girlfriend. Um, one just she wanted to start a family young. And I was like, Oh, this is bad. This stress. Is bad. stress. Stress. Yeah. And that's what they told me after they said, Well, you know, Michael had himself in that job where he's working 50, 60 hours a week, and that's really not good. I said, Why didn't anybody tell me this? I'm thinking it's a good thing. I'm thinking it's keeping him out of trouble. Wow, great. He's staying busy. Yeah, yeah. he can't he doesn't have time to get in trouble. Well, you apparently if you can go through a drive in drive through, you can go get drugs. <laughs> So that's basically what he did that, that night. And um, our last communication was I, I, messed, I, I invited him for dinner. He said, no, I'm feeling down right now. Don't need to be around people. And I was like, you don't need to isolate either. Please come. And that was the last things we said to each other. Terry, I, I haven't actually brought this up. And you don't know this about me, but I struggled with addiction for like a freaking decade. Yeah. Um, I, well, good. I'm glad you're here. heroin too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Like, there's not many that make it out. Not when uh, it gets much to Much less do well. Afterwards, yeah. When he when I found out it was heroin, that was in 2015. A friend told me, a friend of his told us, and that's I just walked up that day and said, "It's heroin, huh?" I said, "People die. That's death." And I said, "You're going to die any day now. Get in the car." So we went to Bradford, and I, and um, the way they help him there is he would want to leave and uh, go get a fix, and they said, "Well, let's go call Jackson. Let's call your son." Oh wow! And he would, and he would stay. And then they talked about this place in Opelika called, can I say that? The Reprieve. And um, I was like, no, that's so expensive. And we spent so much money on you. You've been to Montana. You've been everywhere. You're going to have to do it on your own. And so some reason, I agreed to meet him down there one day. One of the guys, the counselors from Bradford drove him. And I walked in. And the guy was telling me about their meditation, that one of the counselors was a Vipassana meditator. And I was like, where do I sign? That's great. Because <laughs> he said we start out every spokes time. mom's language. I know. And then they had two counselors, and one of them was a room that was very zen with a sand garden and all this. And the other one was very camouflage, where they had a former Marine as the counselor. And I was like, this is like home. There's dad and there's mom. Wow. <laughs> so he did. He, he had his mom and dad down there. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
So they did a lot of good work with him, and I think it helped, but uh, we just didn't have the time. We just didn't get the time we needed, or fentanyl is just too down darn <laughs> prolific. Sorry about that. It is. Uh, Don't worry, this to, is internet radio. You yeah, can say whatever you want to. It's just too easy to get uh, your hands on it. gets cut into drugs, and people don't realize what they're getting it. Or sometimes they do, and they don't realize how their body's going to respond. Sure. Because I don't, he didn't, I don't, he did not want to die. And he did. So, um, yeah. So that's, I think that's why the Camino keeps coming around too, is I still have work to do on that. I think that's really where I started my healing was by being there and being in that environment where I pushed myself and I did dedicate a whole week, 10 days or so, to um, experiencing my son on a very personal level, but it was while I was moving and not just laying in bed all day. <laughs> you know, I'm one of those people, I, there was a comedian, he said, there's some people when they encounter grief, they start doing 300 push-ups, pull-ups, and they become like Rocky. He said, me, I'm just face down <laughs> in my grief, not moving. And that's pretty much been me. It's actually this year I've started to where I could work out again and do the hard things with my body. Before then, it was just kind of like, ugh, no, no, have no energy. I think Camino actually, that was, I don't want to say it's what saved me, but it was definitely, it was definitely something to work towards. Right. I had, uh, I had been, and I had, had a relapse and that was, I, w- I was actually looking forward to like that. That was one of the things that the counselors, they were saying, well, what was it that you did before this, that you loved that you'd think about? And Camino was what, what was it for me? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be doing this stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to be freaking walking in Spain. Right. Like, right. I want to be over there. Like that's, that has my heart. Why right. does this have my, right. my, my focus? Like that's where I, that's where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So, so. Mm. Yeah. I think that's part of, you know, maybe we live in a culture where the, particularly men are not as physically challenged as like, I know when I was a kid, we were climbing in trees and, you know, you had all this energy inside of you and you could go outside and your parents were like, don't come in until it's dinner time. You know, so you're always having to be busy yeah. and out. You were in nature. You were grounded. You were, and these days, you know, we're technology and and stuff. And I'm just not sure that that is as healthy for us. I, that mind body connection keeps coming back. You know, um, making it circle back. That how important it is for our whole health. You know, mental, physical, spiritual, all of that. So yeah, I could see that you had a mission. You had something to work toward. And it required that your body be in a certain state to do that. So that gave you an extra incentive over, I'm just going to be sober to be sober, you know, kind of thing. Because my understanding, I've never used heroin, but it's uh, a feeling that is almost untouchable, you know, for some people. It's like, how do I get that feeling again? You, not, you never will. Yeah. It was you the die, first maybe. time. Yeah. It was the first time and you'll never see you'll it never again. You'll never see it again. Uh, then you're just trying not to be sick. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and people don't really kind of get that. What is the goal for this Coming Camino and and the ne- uh, next month you had a focus for each the last two mm-hmm. years and this year what is it going to be? Do you <laughs> Good have a question. I have thought about lots of things and um, so part of it is going to be an integration. But my intention is that it be have fun in there because I have people that are walking. Oh, you know, one recently lost her father. One lost her son. Um, there's and some have not had any loss. They're just adventures. So we have lots of different people there for different reasons. So I, my intention is it be fun. You have time to laugh because laughter is healing, and also time uh, for contemplation and time to to suffer. <laughs> if you 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 know or or not, um, you could just spend the day where we're staying and have wine all day if you want <laughs> what her house on the Camino when it was, she has the place that you, I don't you may have seen it she typically has food out there you leave a donation you can get fruit and she has a hammock and seats and they have a big blackboard and they invite the pilgrims to come off the path and sit up I there in front of her that. yard yeah. yeah I know what you're talking about yes they had our they had our lunch there one day they prepared it and people were just coming up and we're like yeah we got enough come on have some people were like they just take their shoes off and rest so it's, it's a real nice little spot so she's genuine and real and and it was it's not just a money thing for them it's really a life for them and so I think I go back I could do it on my own now but I go back because I like them. That's <laughs> I like funny. Their, their yeah. Being around them is good. Good for me. That's so good. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, th- Terry Sellers, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Was that an hour? <laughs> oh, it's an hour. So uh, I just wanted to go over it again one more time. You've got a Facebook page that is soon to be a website. Mm-hmm. It's Yoga Adventures B. 
BHM, like Birmingham, BHM, Yoga Adventures BHM. Go to their Facebook group to check them out and get more information. Look at, I don't know, maybe hooking up with them, going on the next trip. Terry's fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, wherever she's gonna, <laughs> wherever she's gonna be. Also, we didn't have time to talk about it, but just did a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Yeah, I mean, this girl's been all over the world. Follow along with her on her adventures. Um, lots of wisdom to share. Lots of fun to experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us Justin. today. We really had a great time. Great. Thank you. And that's going to do it for us today on Perspectives right here on Camino Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you haven't already, go on to the App Store, Apple App Store, like Google Play Store, download the app, Camino Radio. Check out our other podcasts available on all the podcast sites, Stitcher, and also Google Play Store, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week.